Hello Waterloo Road fans, it's me Tom, your podcast host and as always I just wanted to pop in before we get started to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon allows you access to exclusive content from creators like us and our page includes our Waterloo Road Awards, our reviews of other school-based shows including Britannia High, much more Britannia High coming before the end of this month. Um, We also look back at particular characters and, of course, carry extended versions of all of our cast member interviews. There is a big cast member refresh coming at the end of Series 5, so we will be hoping for lots of really great interviews uh, to bring you. Find our Patreon page at patreon.com slash waterlooroadpod. I would like to take this opportunity to thank those of you who have already subscribed. So thank you to Tom Percival, to Rachel, a dedicated listener to every episode. Thank you to Georgia Leah, aka The Avocado Bath, on both Instagram and TikTok. Thank you to Eve, to Hannah Louise, who would like to shout out NHS Mental Health Services. Thank you to Matthew Kumar, to Dylan Gover, who is at Dylan S. Gover on TikTok. Thank you to Claudia Graham, to Lottie Smith, and to Emily Berry. Your support is much appreciated, and if you listening to this now would like to join that list, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash waterlooroadpod. And now, without any further ado, let's get on with this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. I am Tom Beasley, your Waterloo Road superfan, joined as ever by Luke Stevenson. How are we doing? Can I shock you, Tom? Uh, please do. This Sit, hold down. I'm ready, I'm ready. This episode is the best episode they've had in years. Wow. In years, not even like years in the show time, years in our time. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I thought it was a good episode, but I it, wasn't like wowed. It was June 2020 the last time I felt about this one. <laughs> Would you say it's the best episode since Jack O'Connell? It's up. It's up there because it has. It's a delightfully retro episode yeah. in that it has a B and C plot that are lightweight, nothing too interesting. There's the overall kind of story about the school, and then you have a great. A plot, mm-hmm. which deals with a, a realistic school scenario, yep. nothing that insane. It's well done. Mm-hmm. It feels realistic, and you can kind of feel the like the kind of horror of it. It's almost mm-hmm. like a Carrie style, like oh my yeah. god, this is so uncomfortable of it, and it's just like really emotionally strong. It does do a Waterloo Road thing where it totally craps the bed in the last ten seconds, <laughs> but other than that, the kind of the main plot of this episode is so good. It's best. It's the best thing. Maybe I've just been. My expectations have been shattered by how crap this show has been for so long. But this is the best it's been in ages. Look, someone who, someone who, as someone who fears on a weekly basis that you're just going to decide you don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm pleased to have found one that kind of renews your excitement to a degree. Remember, um, there is a Facebook status from me <laughs> eleven years ago. Or ten years ago, saying that the end of this series gave me goosebumps. I'm, I'm really excited because I can't remember what happens. I'm pretty certain it's Finn on a beach. <laughs> and no, I wasn't watching Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I thought, yeah, I thought this was this was a really good episode. I was I was very happy with it. And you know, we talked last week about how we've come down so far from an explosion in a caravan, but 
this one really did something with the, the more because, grounded storytelling because it finally made I think a decent use for the long t- for the first time in a while as well a decent use of one of the recurring characters yeah. and giving them more to do because they didn't even do what they did with the last kind of I feel like child of the week which was the girl who went on to be in Shameless and other things as well who she was introduced as kind of in a non-speaking role for two episodes yes. and then she had this thing where she was an underage stripper yes um, and I do think she's going to come back I think I think I remember she as, comes back as the same character or somebody else I, I don't know for a second <laughs> yeah. it might be it might be an Earl Kelly kind of situation <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same character I might be wrong I might be wrong yeah, hopefully she has. Hopefully she has a relationship with Chris, and he goes, "Wow, you're a great dancer." <laughs> um, but yeah, they kind of, they made use of this thing, which is she's a character. Laura is a character we've known for a long time, yeah. and they add some depth onto her. Yeah. It isn't making anything ridiculous. It's not inconsistent with what we know of her, and it's great. And it's a believable story that we think a child would go for at school. Yes. It's all all great stuff definitely well let's get into it so the episode begins uh, with uh, uh, Lauren they're kind of marking Josh's birthday there's a sort of flirty atmosphere between Lauren and Josh um, they mention that there's going to be a party later um, Tom's going to be there doing the barbecue because he's a man <laughs> and men be barbecuing I just Tom can't read a room can no. he the idea Tom's keeping all of the barbecue meat in the staff room fridge. I have so many questions about that <laughs> Ruby's just like Salmonella you organise it this way that's not your first question Ruby the question is why aren't you keeping this in the fridge at home where you're having the party like you haven't bought it on the way that would be ridiculous (laughs) you haven't gone and done a meat run on your way to school really I couldn't and it doesn't it's not relevant no they don't they don't need to do that to introduce the idea of the birthday he's already yeah. told us that he's barbecuing and it's not going to be like they don't get to the, the the end of the day and he's like oh no I left all the meat in the fridge in the staff room <laughs> and they don't even get salmonella it's no. just no <laughs> they don't even end up having the barbecue <laughs> you just worried about all that wasted meat aren't you I, uh, uh, always <laughs> always <laughs> um so, uh, Rose, we get Rose. We get some Rose in this episode. Ah, oh, love Rose. It's good, and we get bring her back. She gets an and, actual storyline. And let's. The other thing as well is because Tom's, when Tom is talking about the barbecue, he says to Sam, he goes, "I'm the barbecue saint, king, aren't I, Sam?" Tom, what is your relationship with any of these people anymore? <laughs> we haven't seen Tom and Rose on the same screen for weeks. They broke up. I don't think they did. <laughs> they, they, I thought she just gave him the space. They, they, they like said, we're not going to do this anymore. And then the next episode, they came in together, like, all coupley. Stresses me out. <laughs> and Rachel slept with Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's... We just forget things now. <laughs> so that's, that's our new Dante killed yeah, the child, it is, isn't it? it? Is. <laughs> I'm glad. Just as Dante left... <laughs> something stepped up to replace her it's good it's good um so rose is not happy about adam being brought in you know she thinks that that her and candice um i don't know if k purcell the dearly departed k purcell had left the show as candice at this point she makes a reference to candice when yeah. candice comes back or something like that yeah. candice was here it's very odd but like i do love the fact that you know this this show is always common current with the politics and it is ca- this episode is cameronism run amok it's like <laughs> Rachel was like, "Yes, I've privatized you, but I've brought in this new healthy eating czar." Yes, <laughs> he's he a czar. He's a definite. Who is going to oversee all of these privatized things yeah. and has no real power to That's improve it. the it, circumstances? He'll be Lord Fleet by the end of the week. 
Kim has left leaflets in all of the staff members' pigeonholes about depression. Mm-hmm. And they're all very dismissive about the idea of depression. Um, it's a strange little scene. And it doesn't, like, based on where the episode goes, it doesn't really, like, I thought, okay, they're going to introduce it, they're going to be a bit dismissive about it, and then it will become, like, something powerful later in the episode. And I guess it might pay off in a future episode. Mm -hmm. But in this one, it's just the teachers are dismissive about it, and it's kind of, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, Ruby seems to be reading Guardian Jobs, which I thought was a nice touch. (laughs) (laughs) She was the last known person to buy a copy of The Guardian. (laughs) I imagine that Ruby now, wherever she is, supports The Guardian online. No, I think she's a bit like me, and she goes, one one month I will. <laughs> They're doing this science experiment in, in Mr. Mead's class. Um, Finn wants to partner up with Josh, but he says no, because he wants to spend time with Lauren and Sam. They're having they're doing, like, flirty teenager things in, in the class. In, in a dangerous classroom. Yes. There's no pinching in place in no. a place where there are beakers. Yeah. But but the, you can tell it's larky because they play Upside Down by Paloma Faith. Okay. Which is a very larky song. It, well, it's called Upside Down. It sounds like larks. <laughs> I haven't listened to the lyrics. Watch it be devastating, man. <laughs> it's very upbeat. Palo- Paloma Faith strikes me as someone who would describe a good time as such larks. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm sure she would. She uh, seems like a lovely person. Yeah. She definitely says she such say, larks. She would say such larks. And, and I'm sure that if she were around, it would be such larks. She's not dead. As in, if she were around with us. <laughs> no, just like that. If she was still around, <laughs> if she was, still, what would she say if she were? Here? <laughs> um, Finn has entered true bad boy status in the sense that he was bad for an episode, and now he just sits loomingly in the back, yes. waiting for his end of series storyline. Yes. And his subsequent job in the kitchens, which I feel like they are seeding. They are. They are the... <laughs> um. So uh, Ruby is doing this initiative where uh, people bring in clothes to swap for other clothes that people have brought in. Um, I have some questions. Yeah. Why is Bridgerton now mixing with people who are four years older than her? <laughs> I, I don't know. But it's, it's the kids with speaking roles yeah, situation. But like, the thing is, because the kids her age with speaking roles are flirting in Mr. Mead's class. Yes. But she is with Danielle, Alicia and Carla. Who are older. Who are a lot older. So yeah. I, just, I just don't know why she's there. Maybe she was just intimately involved in the swap shop initiative. Yes, because yes, like, oh, this this girl this girl walked in and she put on her own makeup before she came into filming today. <laughs> yeah. She can be in this scene. Yeah. Um, so uh, Lauren is like affronted when Mr. Mead suggests that she and Josh are flirting in the class. Um, that's, a, that's a big... You know, that's one of the big bombs that a teacher can drop, right? Yeah, if you is. if you want to, you know, just get a couple of kids and go, Oi, stop flirting, yeah. it totally yeah. it, it neuters the whole classroom environment. Yeah. There's an energy there. Yeah. Definitely. Um so Roz and Joe are having their first sort of tutoring session. Um and, and Roz is uh, Joe, sorry, is just like, Well, I don't know, what do you want to do? <laughs> Roz is like, I don't know, what do you want to do? <laughs> and then um Joe suggests some French films. Suggests that she should uh, partake in the Nouvelle Vague and some Godard. How? If this is the criteria to get into Oxbridge, you would have gone in. <laughs> now, all you need to have done is to have seen Umbe- Umbrellas of Cherbourg. I feel like... All bit, of the of Fra- Agne- bit of Agnes Varda. I can't think of the last French film I watched that wasn't because you made me. <laughs> <laughs> this is true of anyone I know. <laughs> 
I'm trying. I'm thinking back. I can't. I haven't made you watch Umbrellas of Cherbourg. I will. Okay. You will love it because it's the biggest inspiration that Damien Chazelle cited for La La Land. Oh, that does sound like a bit it's of me. Umbrellas of Cherbourg. No, usually... And when you watch it, you can tell that that's where Damien Chazelle got it from. Yeah. Usually, usually whenever you make me watch a French film, it's just blood and horror. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did make you watch Switchblade Romance. And Raw. And Raw, yes! And um, <laughs> Revenge. Yes! A... Oh, it's true. <laughs> oh, it's going to be Martyrs next. You're going to love it's, Martyrs. It's, is that two rape-revenge movies and one cannibal movie? Um, one one rape revenge movie, one cannibal movie, and one slasher. Okay, the French need to chill out. <laughs> I'm definitely making you watch Martyrs. <laughs> the the three people, three people, the person listening to this who has seen Martyrs loved that. <laughs> They're having a great time now. They're going, I can't wait for Luke to see Martyrs. We'll do we'll do that as a Patreon special. <laughs> Luke reviews French cinema and ends up in Oxbridge. <laughs> You don't go to Oxbridge by watching Switchblade Romance. <laughs> I promise you. Um, so Ruby uh, gives herself first dibs on all of the uh, the clothes, snaffles the like designery stuff, and she's obviously going to go to her favourite not eBay online selling platform. Oh, yeah. for, for, for our younger listeners, <laughs> this is a non-licensed version of Vinted, I think. <laughs> don't trash it, cash it! Yeah. That does sound like the slogan that you'd get in an advert for a it website does. like this. Yeah. Um, the fake internet design team on this show are robbing a living. <laughs> really are. This is like every website that we see is like a really poor late nineties website. Yeah, it's like it's two thousand and eleven yeah. at this point, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook was firmly established. Yeah, people knew like the the, the modern website design had been settled in for five or six yeah. years. It was all clean, minimalist Web 2.0 stuff. It wasn't this, like, garish graphics. Yeah, and it's the BBC, and they have a licence to pretty much do anything. So they could have literally just gone, we'll copy eBay's page and change the name. Yeah, yeah. Don't cash it. Don't trash it. Cash it. It's the um, Terry's Chocolate Orange advert. (laughs) Don't tap it. Whack it. Is it Dawn French, was it? Yes, it it was Dawn French. (laughs) One of two iconic Chocolate Orange adverts. What was the other one? Oh, a jo- chocolate orange flavour, not a Terry's chocolate orange. Oh, Jaffa cake. Then. Jaffa cake. Full yeah, moon, yeah, half moon, half moon. There we go. Car struggled then. <laughs> I thought there was a Terry's chocolate orange advert. I didn't know. <laughs> no, those two and you've been tangoed. Yeah, yes. It was. A, it yes. was a big decade for orange flavoured <laughs> adverts. It's got orange flavoured stuff coming back around. Is it? Yeah, chocolate oh. orange is having a big moment. Are we relevant again? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I really like chocolate orange. <laughs> what? What? It's too orangey. <laughs> it's not too orangey. Terry's Chocolate Orange is the greatest. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And if they would like to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> we'll put it on the Patreon. I don't require money. I just require chocolate oranges. <laughs> Luke eats chocolate, gets into Oxbridge. <laughs> um, Sounds like a great Vice article, doesn't it? Yes. I watched 500 French movies and still didn't get into Oxbridge. <laughs> Waterloo Road lied to me. Um, so... Uh, Lauren and her class, they're having a, a PE lesson. Um, and Lauren, as always, we learn, goes to go and get changed in the bathroom. And we discover it's because she has a birthmark on her back, a very large birthmark. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't seem to have told anyone about this, even Sam. I think Sam kind of knows. Yeah. I think Cam, Sam knows the. I think Sam knows why without having seen it. Yeah, because there's a thing later, but where Sam's like almost 
Because Sam says that, oh, you could have told me, you could have trusted me. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's clear she doesn't know the extent of it. I think yeah. she knows there's, some, there's something, something she doesn't want everyone to see. I think she knows. So there's a little comedy skit about uh, Lauren fancying Josh and Finn throwing a football at him. It's men. Not, yeah, men be throwing footballs at people. Um, so <laughs> Josh goes to Tom for relationship advice. <sighs> Asking Tom Clarkson for relationship <laughs> advice is... He just opens the drawer of his meal deal sandwiches. He's just like, here you go, son. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I really resent the fact that the writers didn't acknowledge that Tom... In their minds, Tom Clarkson's the sexiest man to have ever lived. Yeah. So when he go, when George goes, how do you know if a girl fancies you? Tom should respond, I breathe. <laughs> <laughs> also, Tom uses some phrasing that I find inappropriate with his 15-year-old son. Is this about well in? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's about well in. Uh, I'll tell you what, mate. He's well in. Well in. <laughs> well in to do what, Tom? These are children. Um, so having a great fun at the swap shop. So much fun that we get a Stevie Wonder track. Oh, really? We get we? I Wish, yeah. We get some, yeah. Oh, God. I, I was just too taken aback by, I, I believe, Steph wearing the shortest skirt I've ever seen on anyone, teacher no. or not. I was very focused on Stevie Wonder knocking Paloma <laughs> Faith out of the play-out song slot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Alicia and Danielle start fighting over this, this garment, um, and they knock into the sort of changing booth where... Uh, I can't imagine... Somewhat a safeguarding professional signed off the idea of these kids changing in the middle of. No, with just some sort of limp curtain it's... around a frame. Like you, you, you take that risk in your own hands in a changing room in a in a shop. Yeah. This is a school, and they go right. Here's effectively a shower curtain. It's not. Please. It's not in the corner of the room. No. <laughs> it is. It is in a place where you could say it was designed to get knocked over. You could almost suggest <laughs> that it had been positioned. <laughs> In a way to make knocking yes. it over narratively plausible. Yeah. Um, so uh, they bump into the, the changing booth and the curtains fall down and everyone sees Lauren's birthmark. Um, people start calling it disgusting. Um, Finn turns to Josh and says, oh, you had a lucky escape there, mate. What? what, what, what? <laughs> she doesn't kiss with it. No. <laughs> it's just, it is, it's, again, it's one of the, like, the realistic parts of this episode is it's, it's, it's a really horrific moment because everyone has things they're insecure about and the idea of those things coming alive in front of a hundred children is awful I did find the actual like bump moment quite funny because I feel like they didn't tell the the actress Lauren to react Mm. she kind of just sat there and she just now I react yeah it is but it's almost like she didn't quite realise what had happened yeah like she knew something had changed around her but she didn't realise that all of the like curtains had fallen down um I think what makes this storyline work, and it's sort of similar to what made the Jack O'Connell storyline work, is that you can very much imagine the mortifying embarrassment of something like that. Yes, absolutely. So, like, you know, things that it's hard to recover from around horrible teenagers, weeing yourself in front of them, Mm -hmm. revealing any sort of body difference. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And so I think that we all have a a notion of how that would feel. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that makes the storyline really powerful. So we go to Rose and Adam, and he's revamping the whole kitchen and cafeteria. He's like arranging these tables so that people mingle. Hippie. And she's angry that he's made shepherd's pie, which doesn't seem particularly egregious. 20 shepherd's pie. <laughs> 
the indignation about the shepherd's pies is quite something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really feel like they explain why she's upset no, with it. they don't. She goes, I hate shepherd's pie. Yeah. And like, she's right. Shepherd's pie is trash food. Oh, I hate no. shepherd's pie. No, no, no. No, I mean, I'm not going to go to bat for it in a big way. It's not my favourite. No, the British, the, like the English version of that kind of pie, that like cottage pie, they're just affronts to the senses. If it's not wrapped in pastry, it's not a pie. <laughs> it just, it, in my mind, it isn't. We make a really nice vegetarian cottage pie. That is all. Everything you just said to me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't. I'm not certain about it. I will check, but I'm pretty certain that's a hate crime. <laughs> like I'm sure the Daily Mail would hate that. <laughs> Taking our cottage pie, making it vegetarian. What is this? A school for rabbits? <laughs> the woke mob. Um, so Adam is wanging on about this communal dinner table experience. <laughs> Dinner tables used to be where people shared about yeah. their day. Now we just watch TV and gobble. I mean, gobble's the right word. <laughs> watch TV and gobble was a working title for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still better than everything from nothing. <laughs> So yeah, it's this weird thing where it's like, oh, everyone just eats on the go now. They grab something in front of the TV. And Rachel's like, I usually have my dinner while I'm watching the news. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, I've written, I'm not sure why there's a conflict here. <laughs> no, it's just, just man gets appointed ahead of Rose. He says, can we cook 20 shepherd's pies, please? <laughs> and Rose goes, what? <laughs> what do you think my job is? Serving food? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just like his. I hate people who are like that about food. Oh yeah, it's some people for like food is like a religion, it's like an experience. Yeah. It is. It's kind of people who like sniff their wine. Yeah. It's like there's nothing interesting about these people. Yeah. And it's like it's it's almost because it's not even about the food. It's about the, like the experience of eating the food and the conversation and. No, because like you've you've eaten with me. Yes. I don't. I hate the idea of talking while I'm eating. Yes. So I eat food faster than is healthy. Yes, you do. It's it's quite unreal how yep. quickly I eat food, but I find the idea of conversing over it the most uncomfortable thing in the world because I don't like people watching me eat. Yeah. So this guy's a psychopath in my mind. Yeah. Um, so Tom's teaching an English class with uh, Lauren and the other speaking role kids. Um and he's teaching a lesson about how when you when you're writing a story or whatever, you have to like uh, write monsters and baddies with with sympathy. It's a bit odd for this show to do a lesson on how to write bad guys, um, especially considering like Michaela's main character trait for the past three years has been she's a scrote, and everybody knows it. Yeah. So um, Finn, Finn, I know where this is going. They're handed like cards. <laughs> Finn swaps his card with Laura and says, "Oh, I don't know who this character is," and it's Quasimodo. And first off. Quasimodo is, like, the protagonist of his he, story. He isn't a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> the point is everyone thinks he's a bad guy because of how he looks, yeah. but he is quite definitely not a bad guy. Yeah. And yet... Tom has not read The Hunchback of Notre not Dame. Understand. Or seen the hit Disney film. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a hit Disney film? Yeah. I feel like none of the late 90s Disney films were a hit Disney film. I mean, it was a Disney film, so it was enough of a hit... Mm, I think mm. we're splitting hairs here that do not need to be split because we're about to talk about Tom Clarkson doing an offensive impression. Oh, <laughs> oh speak, 
you just talked about cottage pies. Now, if that wasn't a hate crime, this is. I even, as this scene was approaching, when they asked him the question, I wrote in my notes, Tom's about to disgrace himself here. And and he does. <laughs> my um, God. Yeah, he does. It's like, you know, that clip of Donald Trump imitating the disabled journalist. It is exactly that. Yes. It's... It's... I'd say it's a different time and a fictional character. Yeah. He is impersonating and he might be impersonating a different... But in the same way now that, like, if he did that for, like, the Elephant Man, we'd all go, yes. hang on. No, no, no. We would. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I have a question. These 14, 15-year-olds supposed to know who Hannibal Lecter is. Yeah. That's one of the bad, like... There are enough bad guys in just, like, fairy tales if you don't have to go to... Cannibal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are 18 rated films. <laughs> yeah. And the film isn't even called Hannibal Lecter. No. So you don't know, like, it's not like they've seen a poster of the film gone, ah, yeah. okay, I know what this means. It's like, it, it's a, a named character yeah. from The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> but this, it gets to quite a good place because Tom's getting the class to read out their various things and Lauren reads out something written from the point of view of Quasimodo. And she gets very deep with it, and it's very good, and it's very well performed. You're right. This is very well performed, and it's again they're actually. But I don't think the show's clever enough for this. But you know, like they're like they're doing this kind of like meta textual commentary. Mm. So you, you have to write your bad guys with empathy, and then they make us all empathise with Lauren. Lauren isn't a bad guy. No. So that, I found that kind of like that structure of introducing that and then having this as the payoff is really weird. Yeah. Because Quasimodo isn't a bad guy, yeah. neither is Lauren. And you segue straight from Sam doing from the point of view of the big bad wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, Lauren Reynolds was just trespassing. Yeah. <laughs> Which then went on to underpin, I believe, went on to underpin, I believe, all of American gun control law. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, while all that's going on, uh, Joe goes to see Grantley because she is planning an overnight cultural trip to London. For um, she says for the APU, but it's just it's just Ross. Yeah, it's just, and it's just for herself. So she does not need you don't need two teachers to take one kid on a residential. Maybe I feel like a one teacher, one student thing's a little bit off. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'd find it odd. Yeah, I feel like other children would pass comment. It's odd to take one student on a trip. Oh, absolutely. Regardless of the number of if there were ten <laughs> teachers, it would still be weird. That would be weirder. <laughs> Like two to one, decent mix. Three to one. That's, what, that's what Chris wants. Chris wants all of the teachers to abandon their classes and teach Ross. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, Grantley's obviously, he's not keen on this idea. And then what does he do? He fakes depression. He decides to weaponise mental illness to get out of work. <laughs> um, Which, if you believe, you know, any person in their 50s, is what we all do. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's like, yeah, you know, they were all sat there going, yeah, well done, Grantley. Play them at their game. <laughs> <laughs> if the snowflakes can do it, yeah. so can you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> during this whole thing, there's a scene uh, later where it's even better. Philip Martin Brown's Grantley pretending to be depressed is very good. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> it's a little bit um, like Rachel from Friends, like the nights are the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> And then the day comes, and that's equally as hard as the night. What I wanted was for Grantley to say, I was 17. <laughs> At least things were bad at home. That's what I wanted. Here's the thing. <laughs> Rachel in this episode is quite literally locked in a narrative cupboard. She is. Now, there was a moment two series ago where Rachel had a bit of a reckoning 
with a large scar on her chest. Yes. Do we not feel that connecting her with Lauren in this storyline might have been a better use of their time than having her still call a man Fat Adam and have some kind of weird non-romantic frisson in a cupboard? I, I hadn't thought of that. Because they haven't mentioned her scar, yeah. other than that one episode. Yeah, yeah. But now you say it, of course that's what they should have done. <laughs> so uh, Kim's sceptical about whether Grantley is really suffering from depression, but says she'll talk to Rachel about getting him like a leave of absence or something to allow him to, to recover. He's doing this so he can avoid an expense trip to London with one student. Yeah. Where Joe could man the fort, really. Yeah, all he has to do is He just... could just go and sit in a bar. Yeah. And, what, and like, bet on horses. It's like his dreams. We paid thing... to go and sit in a bar in London. <laughs> the thing that doesn't make sense to me is, like, why any teacher would ever think, like, they would ask Grantley to do it. Because mm. it's, th- like, it's not like an obligation. Teachers are offered the time to do it. Yeah. It's just really odd that they just kind of create this sick circumstance where, no, Grantley, you have to do it. We all want you to come yeah. on this trip. But Grantley reacts like it's going to be like when they went outward bound with Bolton and the Lessons for Life lot. Yeah, when you're not just taking the smartest kid in school to go look at some pictures. Yeah. Go and watch a show at the National. Oh, hellish. I know. It probably would be Shakespeare, though, and it would be hellish. <laughs> I'm sure it wouldn't. It would be. <laughs> and she's doing it international. It would probably be Shakespeare in French. <laughs> it would definitely be something in French. Um... <laughs> Tom goes and talks to Josh. He's decided he wants to be a cool dad. And he's like, oh, I'll leave the party for a few hours so you can have a dance with Lauren. And then Tom's like, uh, then Josh is like, oh, I don't want to dance with Lauren. He's all defensive about it. Um, there's a nice scene with Sam and Lauren where Sam's really trying to be like understanding about it all. But Lauren's in, in such a state that she kind of lashes out at her. Um, so, the lunchtime. All right, so we'll get this out of the way first. Because it upsets my southern sensibilities. But I don't think people actually say balm when they mean sandwich. They only do it when they want to be as performatively northern as possible. <laughs> Is this because you've like never been north of the Midlands? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? When I was growing up, I think my mum used to say cob, and that upset me. <laughs> Uh, we, I'm from Coventry where we have Batch it's a whole different ball game whole different ball game I'm certain so, yeah I, I can always remember being like little and people saying cobble like, that just doesn't sit right with me <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that that's your like middle class red line <laughs> it's bread roll that's your middle class red line Adam's big idea is that the teachers are all going to like sit apart and mingle with the students while they all eat this shepherd's pie. Hellish. And this is framed as a good idea. Mm-hmm. They, 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 spl- they made an even amount of vegetarian and meat-based yes. options. But they don't separate the tables by vegetarian no. and meat-based. I just so think... you could have an, a genuine vegetarian who's on a table full of meat food. Yeah. I... Like, the teachers aren't going to enjoy this. No. The students like... aren't going to enjoy eating their lunch with a teacher on the table. No, that's They just... don't want to talk about... They want to talk about, like... Teenage things. <laughs> you couldn't think of a single teenage thing. No, I shouldn't. Okay, they want to talk about their TikToks. <laughs> Ros wants to talk about Agnes Varda and Um So it's yeah, I I had huge problems with this. Why are they doing this? It's not a good idea. It's like Adam is portrayed as some sort of second coming of teaching because of this 
hippie nonsense. It's one of those those things that sounds like a great theory, but no actual rational child would enjoy. Because it's like, even when I've done things where you like, you go and you, it's all like new people. Eventually when you meet new people, after a couple of days, you form your own little tribe of them. And then when they start to say, go mingle lovers, you go, no, No. I found my group. We did the mingling. We've settled. This is... (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, Joe goes and talks to Kim. Uh, Joe talks about... um, uh, about going for the trip with Grantley, Kim realizes that this is what has prompted him to to try this ruse. Yeah, we like we all know that Grantley is faking it. Yes, but Kim is still doing her job badly, yes. right? Because Grantley has come to her with this mm-hmm. information. The facts, you know, you know, he's talking about how stressful the job has been. He becomes too detached. Maybe it's the idea of having to do overnights and do this yeah. extra stuff that's pushed him over the edge of thinking this is too much for me I can't handle it anymore Yeah. rather than it be a cheap way like we all know it's a cheap way for him to get out of something yeah. but re- it's not too much for if a person's struggling under pressure Under pressure, the idea of doing three days extra work yeah. would might push them over the edge yeah. but Kim just goes oh it's Grantly yeah. therefore I have judged and I will yes. wreak my vengeance um so Finn's talking to Adam about like oh what he cooks at home and Finn says oh beans on toast egg on toast etc etc and Adam says oh I'll show you some recipes to cook for one and this is what we talked about last week where Finn's bad eating habits are framed as just like oh an okay problem he can solve by some better cooking mm-hmm. whereas with Aiden it was a terrible thing yes. he has to change immediately exactly and it's just because Finn is not fat mm-hmm and so yeah, that didn't that didn't sit right with. And him. but also, is the reason that Finn's not fat is because he has the power to jump through time and space. <laughs> In what sense? Because the next scene you're going to talk about is Lauren going over to Josh on the playground, it is. where Finn is stood behind him. <laughs> the scene after that is Finn <laughs> back with Adam, back with Adam in the canteen yeah. discussing pasta dishes. Yeah, yeah. Finn can move through time and space, he and can't. I'm very excited by where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for his spin-off. Series six, he opens the multiverse. <laughs> I would watch Finn Sharky in the multiverse of madness. Into the into the Sharky verse. Would be good. No, it's just all layers of chaos. Um so yes, as you said, there's a scene on the playground. Um because uh, there'd been a scene with Tom finds Lauren crying. Uh, and, and apologises for what happened in the class. Rightly, he should apologise. Um, should probably apologise publicly to everyone. <laughs> he, he, should, he should probably do 24 hours of training <laughs> yeah. with, the, with the relevant charities. Yeah. Um, but he, he now has found out what happened. And then um, Tom says, oh, you, can, you should rethink coming to the party tonight. And Lauren had never realised she wasn't going to the party. Um, and so she goes and talks to Josh about this, and Josh says, "No, you're not invited anymore. No freaks allowed. It's very unpleasant." There is a special circle of hell reserved for boys like Josh. Yes, I, I, I'm pretty certain we probably all put ourselves in that special circle of hell at some point. Yeah, but the point still remains. The, the weird thing is, he's not. He doesn't seem that interested for most of the episode in like impressing Finn and going. No, but you, only really in this moment when the plot demands it. <laughs> it's it's kind of like it's a cop out in the way that they do lots and lots of you know male characters, even in this show. Yeah, is that they have to be forgiven. So the cop out here is that Finn is peer pressuring him into yeah. acting this way, even though we all saw him have a real reaction. Yeah, 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 it's not like 
Finn told you know we haven't seen Finn say oh it's gross he goes I don't mind and then he talks yeah, yeah, yeah. down into it yeah so uh, Lauren then asks Chris if he needs help setting up the next science class bizarrely they're doing the same experiment he was doing this morning with a different age group but we'll get <laughs> we'll, we'll park that um, and then he then trusts her with the key to the equipment cupboard where someone stole ethanol from. Yeah. <laughs> not, what, not six months ago. <laughs> one set of chemicals stolen is an accident. <laughs> Two sets is a pattern. Yeah, it's and pro- professional negligence is what you know, it is. There's been many, like, you know, we've been with this school for five years. Yeah. There have been no chemical incidents until Chris turns yeah. up. Well, that's because there were no science teachers. <laughs> and now you've got two in the space of a year. Um, so, yes, we know that's not going to go well. Um... Ruby's talking to Tom uh, and she says that Josh was part of the group that was laughing at, at Lauren. This surprises Tom, who thinks the sun shines out of Josh's ass. Um, he then drops the box he was carrying for Ruby, reveals all of these clothes packaged to be cashed, not trashed or something. Um, <laughs> uh, he challenges her on it, etc., etc. Um Rose is still upset about being told how to do her job. I, um, I do like the fact that at some point in this conversation, Rachel goes, I have nothing but respect for you, Rose. Which is why I pointed someone ahead of you about asking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Rose says she felt ambushed and patronised, <clears throat> and she calls Adam Jamie Ramsey Whittingstall, which I thought was quite good. Whichever reference you like. Yeah, yeah, pick one. I'll do them all. <laughs> I'll do them all. Um, <laughs> These are my principles, and if you don't like them, <laughs> I have others. Um so Finn, as you said, is still lurking around, having time travelled back <laughs> to the kitchen. Um, for reasons I don't quite understand, he locks Rachel and Adam in the storeroom. He's a bad boy. He's, yeah, but that's not very bad boy act, is it? And as Alexandra Burke sang, <laughs> the bad boys are always catching my eye. <laughs> I think those are the lyrics. I, I think, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. If not, that's what the lyrics sound like. <laughs> so uh, they're having this kind of heart-to-heart sort of in the storeroom she says he's been quite full on and aggressive with Rose and the way he's like bounded in and uh, imposed his will um, he says well it was you you taught me a lesson back at school that nice guys finish last and never get the girl he said in Sally <laughs> <laughs> here's my manifesto yeah. on the topic grim um, this guy keeps talking about the fact that he's been through loads of changes when Rachel literally has changed her identity <laughs> Rachel has changed every facet of her existence <laughs> He has just lost some weight. <laughs> also, also, we may have brought this up before. <laughs> and it might be like, when we listen back to the whole podcast, there'll be a recurring theme about Luke saying he can do this. But I'm not a butch man. I reckon I could kick through that lock on the door. <laughs> I, can't remember, I can't remember if I saw it with you or with, like, Charlie. But I feel like, because you know they have, like, Lon- like, London experiences, they do it in other places now, like axe throwing, stuff like that. Yeah. I want to go to a place which is just kicking through locked doors. Yeah, it is something that is so common in fiction, but as real life people, you never get to do it. Yeah, exactly. I want to kick my own door down. No, that would that... be counterproductive. You have to then pay for the door. Yeah, exactly. But if I could go, if I could pay for a place where I go and kick other people's doors, <laughs> I just like I looked at that lock and I went, I could kick through that. Yeah. And you know, he's a he's a big fella. Yeah. He, he is toned. Yeah. He could do it. So this whole, you know, maybe it was all his game to be locked in the cupboard with her. Maybe, maybe. Um, So uh, Chris notices that some hydrogen peroxide missing from his storeroom. Um, Tom then goes to, he's gone to get Josh and Lauren to talk about the the situation, but only Josh is in the classroom 
Chris is also looking for Lauren. They realise Lauren's gone missing. Um, and she's in the, the dressing room um, trying to sort of put the chemical on a towel and then rub it on her birthmark to try and get rid of it. Yeah. This, this whole scene is so good. Mm. The acting is great. The kind of just like rawness of it. They don't even overplay. Like I think the music is more of an instrumental than it is too many words because you could really like ham it up. But like it is just it's proper Waterloo Road at its best because yeah. the kid of the week storyline intersects with a bunch of the teachers. Yeah. Um, the A and the, the B and the C storyline don't get too far in the way and this is just the moment and then in this moment a lot of things happen that's fall out from the it the B and the C storylines can't get in the way because they're literally locked in a cupboard exactly um, <laughs> and like they, they've done the reasonable thing yeah. and then yeah and then there's like there's a fallout from it there's ramifications from it people learn things yeah. and it's this this re- and the, you know it's kind of just that heartbreaking thing as well because you know we're all none of us like are ha- like None of us are really happy with that, our bodies, no. right? There are all things we don't want to change. And, you know, there are some, you know, sometimes when you feel like you could, you know, I could break this or I could take this yeah. off or I could, I, you know, I'd be happy to do that. And then you kind of see this in its rawest form with, a, you know, a teenage girl. And it's so heartbreaking to yeah. watch because it's a, a feeling and emotion that everybody has. Mm. And they do it in a way which isn't like, you know, it isn't going back to, you know, Janice and getting a boob job. Yeah. Because then it's like, we're going to have a debate about the media. This is just this girl's, like, how she sees herself and she doesn't like it and she's acting out about it in this way. And that's much more relatable than going, oh, it's the media's fault this happens or it's this person's fault. It's just, you know, it's real in a way that a lot of these storylines don't end up being. Definitely. Um, So uh, Tom and Sam find her. Um, Tom puts her in the shower to, like, rinse the chemical off. Um, she's going oh I don't want anyone to know I don't want Josh to know this happened and there's a bit I really like where Chris runs in and Tom goes tell me I did the right thing tell me I didn't make it worse and I like that because so often in crises in shows like this the teacher immediately knows exactly what to do Mm -hmm. so I liked Tom going I'm not sure did I make it worse I as as the viewer when she went in there I went is the water going to make is it going to react with water in a way that it shouldn't do but yeah, that is. It's just a. It's a real moment. Yeah, yeah. I liked that. It was a really nice kind of subtle touch that that really helped with the situation, which, as you said, was already very kind of raw and real. And like you know, we've we've both said it's it's relatable, mm-hmm. and that's such an important part of it is that we kind of implicitly understand it, which is is really good. Um, while this is going on, we're doing cupboard comedy. Um, Adam says to Rachel that oh, you always have to be in control. Um, he's upset that she never fancied him at school and that informed his whole attitude change. So weird that he's still lingering on this teenage crush. Yeah, I know. He didn't like, know that he was coming back to this school to see her. Yeah, it's like 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. And like, you know, there are some things from my childhood that I linger on, but I hope in the next 10 years I'll get over it. Yeah, <laughs> and if you bumped into them, you wouldn't like... I would, I'd wait a while. Yeah. <laughs> Like, literally. I wouldn't would go out and go, hi, childhood trauma. Yeah. <laughs> a week after you reconnected with them, yeah. you're saying, I changed my entire life because you didn't fancy me as a teenager. Hello, insecurity. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been? Um, he admits he came across as a bit of a jerk, and then he sort of tries to, like, close the distance between them and, and, and like, go to kiss her, and then Kim releases them. Thank God. That could have got uncomfortable. I don't really know where it was going. 
No, she was trapped in a closet with a very tall man. Exactly. So, Tom then challenges Josh over um, the whole situation. He says he's ashamed of Josh. Um, He cancels the party um, and then goes over to Finn and says, never use my lessons again to victimise someone. That should be implied, that you shouldn't use lessons to victimise people. But then again, the first episode of the show... They had to say explicitly that they had a zero <laughs> tolerance policy for violence towards teachers. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those places that the rules don't exist until someone says it out loud. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> oh, we hadn't thought of that rule. Yeah. <laughs> Let's write it down. I, I liked the... Te- technically, heroin is legal on campus. Because <laughs> no one's told them it isn't. The thing I liked here is that Rachel, because she's been locked in a cupboard, has a sort of queue of issues forming outside her <laughs> office. Ruby's there because t- Tom said something. Finn's there because of when did Tom? Gate. Did we see it happen? I was convinced I just blanked out from a scene when Rachel got told that Ruby had done this because the Ruby and Tom scene ends with him going, "Look, I'm not going to say anything, but I think this is stealing." But like he doesn't, he doesn't say I'm going to go tell Rachel, and then suddenly Rachel just comes out of the closet and knows. Who knows? Who knows? I, Kim goes to talk to Grantley, and this is the scene where Philip Martin Brown really sells because there's like a transition moment in his <laughs> acting, which is beautiful, where he goes from Grantley to Grantley pretending to be depressed. And it's really well done. He's really good. Um, so she's like, oh, I've agreed a sabbatical with Rachel. How, how long would you like off? And he says, oh, till the end of term would be good. And then Kim suggests, oh, maybe you should, maybe you should make it permanent. Um, and eventually goads him into sort of snapping out of the situation and admitting he was faking. Yeah, the, the way she kind of... It's kind of counterproductive because she gets him to snap out of it by saying, I'm not I'm not some weak-minded individual. Mm. I thought what they were going to do was going, okay, cool, so we've agreed this, you can have that long, um, and it's without pay. Cool, yeah. so get better, Grantly. Yeah. And then he's just like, uh, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, no, instead, it's you have to goad him into being... You know, you can't yeah. tell someone with mental health problems that they can have time off, but they won't be paid for it. <laughs> like, like, when, <laughs> you could take a sabbatical. We're cutting all of your pay. Oh, someone hasn't lived eleven years under a Tory government. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm freelance. I have no employment rights. <laughs> when, like, I'm talking about in the conceit of what Kim is doing here, yeah. which is goading him into it. Yeah, yeah. That's how you do it in a way that gets him to snap out of it. But instead, she pushes him to a point where he goes, "I can't accept these slurs on my character anymore yeah. by being called depressed." Yeah. And then suddenly, the episode turns into the um, episode of Peep Show where they go around sectioning everyone. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> My goodness, it does, because Rachel's talking to Ruby and she's angry at Ruby, fairly, because she's stealing from pupils. Um, Rachel says she's worried that Ruby's suffering from depression, um, gives her, like, a final warning before starting disciplinary procedures. But that's the thing. She goes, I I fear you might be suffering from depression, so I will open disciplinary procedures with you. Not say, go speak to Kim, who this morning announced that she's there to talk to with these issues about And also, Ruby's already on some medication. Some nondescript medication. I can't remember Didn't what it's called. Didn't she go to a doctor? And they gave her something to it, like... It's antidepressants, isn't it? I, it? It was something to help her sleep. I feel like... but Something to help you sleep feels like it was 90s and noughties code for antidepressants. Yeah, it's diazepam, isn't it? Didn't she say it was diazepam? I can't remember. I think she did. So I don't really understand what the revelation is. We know that a medical professional thought Has she given was struggling some form of tablet. to give her some form of tablet. Um, so she then tells um, Steph that Rachel's out to get her and they're going to go and have booze. And then Steph, this is just thrown in. 
the Steph stuff. She has a near miss with some guy in a car, and she's all ready to like go and have a fight with him. And then he's really nice and flirts with her a bit. He's called Oliver, and then they go for a drink. He, he's called Oliver, and he's charming. He's here to pickpocket her. <laughs> Yes. Is there a, a cockney child nearby? <laughs> um, so, okay, that's all going on at Josh and Tom's place. Josh has so many birthday cards. So I've many. I've never had that many, ever in my life. Have I have. Birthday cards. No, these are Father's Day cards, but I have two and they're still up. <laughs> it's far too late. We don't take them down, but I got two. <laughs> I was baffled by the amount of birthday cards. I couldn't concentrate on the rest of the scene. Um, so, Tom. So either Lauren has come over or Tom has invited her over to sort of clear the air. Um, she says uh, she's going to be okay. Um, her, her back's a bit sore, but but she'll be okay. Lauren really got dressed up to go get an apology. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, that's I appreciate like, that. That's yeah. alpha dog energy. It's yeah. like, you're going to beg at my feet and I'm going to look great doing it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, what I like is that Tom leaves them to chat and he just goes and sits in the kitchen and starts working at the party food. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> But if he's got that pink, is a mood. <laughs> if he's got pink wafers, he has to eat them all before they're gone. Because pink wafers are the just oh, they're the best part of it. <laughs> now, I was going to say because we bought tea cakes the other day, mm. but tea cakes are not the optimum version of tea cakes. It's party food tea mm. cakes where they have a little bit of jam in the bottom. They're basically <laughs> tiny wagon wheels and they're perfect. I really want some party food. Can we just have a party? Go on, yeah. <laughs> Should we have like an office party for the podcast? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll get, get a bowl of pink wafers. <laughs> Some little jam tea cakes would be fantastic. Okay. Um so Josh's conversation with Lauren. Josh keeps suggesting he is in a as bad a position as she is. And he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is very niche, but I hope people get this. It's very like in Bend It Like Beckham <laughs> when <laughs> The young Asian girl has been called a racial slur. Yeah. And she goes, I, I, got, I got called this. And you won't even know what that's like. And the football coach says, Jess, I'm Irish. Of course I know what that's yeah. like. It and have those vibes. And she's like, yeah, I've got this giant birthmark on my back and everyone called me disgusting for a day. I'm a new kid. Yeah. But you're not any normal new kid, Josh. You transferred with 500 other new kids yeah. as part of a school merger. Like, your best friend is the other new kid. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got some, some Mika vibes, though, because he said, I've got a teacher for a tap. Mika lived with three English teachers, <laughs> and she turned out fine. <laughs> How dare you stand where she yeah. stood? <laughs> yes! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he says he'll, like, he'll try harder with her now. Like, he has to try? Like, I'll try and get past your disgusting. <laughs> but I don't feel like he's grown as much as the show thinks he has. It, it, feels, it feels very like Love Island. Just like, are you ready to give me 100%? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to give you 100% now. Yeah. There's a conversation between Tom and Josh where Tom says that their arrangement's not working. Living with him is not doing Josh good. What is he basing that on? Josh, like, Josh was a prick today. Yeah. All right, he's a teenage boy. They're pricks every day. You can't yeah. throw them out, Tom. Yeah. And, like, what he did today... Again, right, Chloe was an accessory in the death of a <laughs> oh, child. play the hits. Play the hits. <laughs> like... This is what people tune in for. M- Mika pushed him off of a tree. <laughs> 
Chloe was like pregnant. Like now, Tom's gone. Oh, this is all a this is all a reflection of our relationship, and therefore you must leave. Like Tom actually did some parenting today. Yeah. He stopped trying to be the cool dad and told like told his son that he was being a knob. But in, and but then he goes. Now we can't live together yeah. anymore. It's a rare, for... rare example of Tom doing actual parenting to a child to whom he's biologically related. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, that's where the episode ends. The next time trailer, it's another sort of Chris-centric episode. They're coming thick I'm, and fast, I'm, aren't they? I'm happy about Chris. I yeah, like Chris. I like. I think Chris is a good character. You're, you're always getting a good Blair right in there. Um, so he's doing. Finn's doing work experience with him. They have an established antagonistic relationship. <laughs> it's like, I feel odd that Tom was allowed to tap himself out of dealing with the Kellys when he was head of pastoral right. care, but Chris has to take on the child who burnt his car. Yeah! Um, so so that's happening. It turns out that Oliver, Steph's new uh, beau, is uh, Chris's dad. Um, uh, Adam, There's a thing with Adam and Rachel, and then uh, Finn has an argument with Chris, and he's talking to uh, Amy and saying, oh, he'll get his. So. On a beach. <laughs> No, we're at least five or six episodes away from the beach. Uh, the maybe, the possible beach. I don't really know. It could have been a sand dune. <laughs> People keep trying to tell me they're the same thing. They're really not. <laughs> they're not the same thing. They really, but, but, but they're next to each other. Yes, they are. Next. People are like, oh, let's go to the beach. It's like, well, I'm just sitting in some sand dunes. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's where we leave this episode. I thought it was a good episode. I'm not quite as upon it as you. I don't think. Um. But yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good. I think at, at its best moments. It was really, really good. Yeah. And it was like, it actually felt like a realistic thing about a, a child going through something traumatic. Yeah. And then there's all the silliness draped around it. But, yeah, you know, we can deal with some silliness. It's Waterloo Road. Yeah, it's what we're it's here. It's just like, maybe like this, maybe it's just because this episode is a two in a sea of ones. Yeah. That I'm like, oh my God, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> well, I think that's what it is. I think because I'm at like a base level of I quite enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, this is just it's a better than average episode <laughs> whereas you're like I hate the show week to week so yeah, after last week's debacle <laughs> oh and it was <laughs> um, yeah I, I thought it was a good episode play out song I mean I think it's Stevie Wonder unless you have strong feelings about Paloma Faith after I killed her off <laughs> <laughs> yeah we do an in memoriam section yeah. <laughs> I know I, I kind of feel like I mentioned Bad Boys by Alexandra Burke so we should <laughs> Stick with that. But if you want to go for a song that was in the show. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, I think it's Stevie Wonder. A, a rare chance to end with like a genuinely, legitimately good song. Yeah.